For more presentations like this, visit www.xenos.org. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, continuing to talk about what it is to be a part of the family of God, specifically the idea that we've been adopted by God into his family. Last time, we talked about the story of the prodigal son, how God is a loving father, how he is seeking and searching and looking at the horizon waiting for us to give up our rebellion and come home. He's eager to be in a relationship with us. That story that Jesus told was to show us that God is not what a lot of us imagine God is like, that he is patient and generous and forgiving and eager in, in, uh, to enter into a relationship with us. A lot of us see God as sort of this severe, uh, scary, imposing figure. Uh, And while God is just and uh, he is righteous, he is very personal. He's very relational and uh, very merciful. We also saw from that story last time that there's really two types of people. Those of us who are rebellious sons of God, who are out there living the way that we want to live apart from God in our own way. Uh, rejecting his ways and rejecting our relationship with him. And then there are also those who are the self-righteous son who are trying to follow all the rules and do everything right, but then getting caught up in what we deserve and what we think God should give us. The picture that we want to focus on, though, is that God, throughout Scripture, gives us this idea that we are as his creation, his sons and daughters, we are members of his family. And that like family, when we go through hardship, we should move toward one another. We should circle the wagons as the human race and be generous with one another, be kind toward one another, and seek unity in times of crisis. That we can come together because of our relationship with God Uh, and trust our loving Father who is engaged and concerned and wants to be there for us. And we can also help one another during times of trouble, that that's when we really need to show the best nature and character of how we reflect the goodness of our Creator and our Heavenly Father. So we continue on with this idea, and we get into Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And Ephesians begins, written by Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and the heavenly places in Christ. And that's a mouthful. There's so much going on there. Theologically, it's so important that we understand Paul's beginning place as he addresses people who are hunger, who hunger for a relationship with God. He says, you have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God has already richly lavished you 
with everything that you need to be full and complete and whole as his children, your father has given you a rich inheritance. Now, a lot of people get this backwards. They think, you know, God sort of stingily holds on to his blessings. And then when we do something extraordinary, like become a, 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 a priest or a nun or a missionary, or we do something exceptional, then God gives a little bit of reward to those who do something really good, but he's waiting to give us good things until he sees a response from us that he really likes. And that's not the case at all. What Paul is saying is, if you want a relationship with God, God throws open the doors to his treasury and lavishes us with gifts like the father watching the prodigal come home and killing the fattened calf. God does not withhold his blessings from us and does not uh, mete out his wealth to us according to our behavior. And this is what grace is. Grace is kind of a churchy word that people throw around a lot. And it seems like to a lot of us today, it's almost like an old timey word. Like what is grace? But grace is simply just God's gift of forgiveness that we do live in rebellion against him. We're born in rebellion to God. We're born disconnected from our creator. And that he, like the prodigal father, is waiting for us to receive, to accept his offer of reunion, of unity. And he is willing to do that regardless of the things that we've done in the past, regardless of the ways that we're still living wrongly today. God will accept us into his presence and he will come into our lives if we choose to accept that we need his forgiveness, that we are in rebellion. God, well, the one thing God won't do is he won't force us into a relationship with him. We have to come to the end of ourselves and our rebellion and throw up our arms and say, I'm realizing that I'm looking for fulfillment in things that just are not going to make me happy or whole. And what I need is a relationship with God and it's time to put down my rebellion and come to him. The other spiritual blessings that God gives us is peace. The idea that we can know that our eternal destination is secure. A lot of people don't know this, but that God says, when you are come into a relationship with me, you are promised to go to heaven, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's an unconditional promise of acceptance and of unity with him that cannot be broken. And when you understand that and begin to live that way and believe that way, you experience a freedom and a peace because essentially you understand that no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter how bad things get, no matter how hard things get, that God, the creator of the universe, has promised you in eternity you're going to be at peace you're going to be connected with him. You're going to be connected with others that your needs as a person are going to be met in eternity, even if you have to suffer in this life. Another one of the great blessings that Paul is talking about here is when we come into a relationship with God, we begin to understand our true purpose. I don't know about you, but 
I spent years of my life wondering, am I what I'm supposed to be? Is there, supposed, is there more to what I'm supposed to be doing or how I'm supposed to be thinking? I remember as a teenager, you know, my family, we weren't spiritual. We weren't religious. We weren't particularly hostile to God, and we weren't particularly interested in God. And I would lie in bed at night and, and, and wrestle with, who am I and what am I supposed to do? Am, am I meant for something greater than this, or am I doing okay? Am I what I'm supposed to be? God answers those questions as you come into a relationship with him You begin on the big picture to understand that God's purpose for all of us is love and relationship, love with him and love with our fellow man, and that the reason that we're here, the whole reason we exist is to build relationships, loving relationships with one another and with God. So we read, you know, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, forgiveness, blessings, peace. How do I get that? What does it mean? How do I receive all this spiritual wealth that Paul is saying he has for us? And the answer is right here in the passage. It's by being in Christ, joining the family of God. And we might say, well, I don't understand how to do that. And I've heard a lot of different ideas and reasons about what that means. How do I, how do I become in Christ? What does that mean? Paul would answer that in this same chapter a little bit later in verse 13. He says, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel of your salvation is simply the idea that you need to understand that you're separated from God, that the way that you've lived, your rebellion against God, the things that you've done that have been selfish and that have hurt others have created a controversy between you and God, and that he is waiting with open arms to forgive you if you'll turn to him in faith. So he says, listen to that message, and the message is as simple as that. Jesus Christ died on the cross He took the punishment that you deserve upon himself so that you could be forgiven. And if you listen and then also believe, meaning you accept that that is true, he says you are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, that you are adopted into the family of God and that the Spirit of God literally comes and dwells inside of you. He goes on and Ephesians 1.4, and he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. This idea that, again, of the family of God, that God all throughout scripture refers to himself as our heavenly father, the father who wants a relationship with us, the father who dearly loves his children. He wants to bring us into his family and he does this, he adopts us as sons through Jesus Christ. Again, it's that, will you listen 
and understand the message of truth that Jesus died so that you could become a son or daughter of God. And if you believe that, then you are adopted by God as a full-fledged member of his family. Paul, again, in Galatians 4, 6 through 7 said, Because you are sons of sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, that God wants to bestow his riches upon you. So the message to the Galatians is the same to, as the message to the Ephesians. God wants you to listen, to have faith, and receive the abundant inheritance of the spiritual riches that God has for you in Christ. God wants you in his family. He wants to be connected to you. He wants you to understand who he really is. He wants to help you. He wants you to know that you are loved. He wants you to understand that that love is unconditional, that nothing can tear you away, that if you put your trust in him, he will not only throw wide his arms and welcome you as a child into his family, but he will never let you go. And all you need to do is come home, is lay down that rebellion and choose a relationship with God. I know a lot of people who hear that message ask this question, can God be that good? As somebody who was raised in a non-Christian environment, I had that exact question many times. Like, if it were this easy, and if it were this good, and if God were that good, how come everybody wouldn't know it? How come a lot of the Christians I meet seem like very severe, uptight people who don't have a lot of joy in their lives? How come a lot of the ways that I see Christians portrayed in media seem like they're uptight, little house on the prairie, uh, conservatives? What is it? What is it? How is it that God could be so generous and so loving and so kind? And yet the images of him and his people that I see portrayed uh, be so far away from that. There was a time I distinctly remember as a teenager, I was a senior in high school and a production of Les Miserables came uh, to Columbus. And a group of friends in my, of mine and I went to see Les Mis, uh, the, the, the live production. And I distinctly remember it because it's the first time that I actually understood God's grace. What happened was, was Jean Valjean is the main character in the story. And he had been, he was uh, in France during a very difficult time in in, uh, France's history. And he was thrown in prison for stealing a loaf of bread, trying to help his sister stay alive. He was given years of hard labor and he came out a hardened man with uh, a tattoo of his serial number as a prisoner. And as he went out into the world, He couldn't find a job. He couldn't find lodging. Everyone was turning him away uh, because they thought that he was an evil man and wicked and corrupt and no one wanted to help him. And he wound up at a a, a church where a priest invited him in. And the priest was very kind to him, very generous to him. He gave him a great meal at at his table. He talked with him. Uh, He shared uh, uh, a meal together with him. And then he let him stay the night 
unguarded, unwatched, and he was very generous. And what happened was, in the middle of the night, Jean Valjean gets up and he noticed at dinner, there was all this silver, expensive silver that was used uh, in the cutlery and the plates and the dinnerware. And he gathered up all this silver, which was more money than he could imagine. And he stole it from the priest and snuck off into the night. Now, Jean Valjean obviously was not a very good criminal because he was immediately caught, just like when he stole the bread. And the policemen bring him back to the priest and they say, this man has clearly stolen this from you. And the priest turns to the police and he says, no, 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 this is my friend and I gave him these things. This silver was my gift to him. And he says, as a matter of fact, Jean Valjean, you forgot the candlesticks, which these are worth more than the whole combination of what you took. And so he hands him the candlesticks and he says, officers, thanks for doing your work. Uh, Good night. And they walk away. And Jean Valjean is sitting there flabbergasted because this priest has just given him not only forgiveness, but riches beyond his imagination. And as as an 18-year-old who was wrestling with the idea of what God is, I remember sitting in the audience that night at the Ohio Theater, and the thought that was in my head was, if only God were that cool how much I would want to know him. Who wouldn't want to know a God that would do something like that, let alone a person who would be so generous and so kind. And that love and that generosity and that story changed Jean Valjean's life. And it was only a short time later, I wound up at a Bible study where I really started to study for the Bible for the first time. And I saw that that picture of God's grace and his generosity and his love was not only just like what I saw in Les Mis, but it was even more. That is the picture of the Father that we are looking at here, the understanding of what God is like. This is what Paul is is trying to help the Ephesians understand is that he is that good. In verse seven, he says, in him, in God, we have redemption through his, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. That God just keeps giving and giving and giving generously of himself, of his riches, of his love, of his kindness, and of his mercy because he is a generous father and we are his children. The implications of this are incredible. One of the most important ways, things that we can take away from this is understanding that we don't need to be afraid. That God has our back. When we're in a relationship with him and we are guaranteed eternity with him, it doesn't mean we won't suffer in this life, but it means that the end of this life is the beginning of the best part of our existence and that that is going to extend on into eternity. In Psalm 46, one through two, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, we don't need to be afraid because God is our strength. You are not alone. Your creator loves you 
and is engaged with your circumstance and wants to be involved in your life. God said this all throughout uh, Joshua's life. Joshua was called by God to do a lot of very difficult and very scary things. And God repeatedly said to him, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Over and over again, he would tell Joshua, I will never leave you or forsake you. And the promises that he made to Joshua are the same promises he makes to us. The implications of this are important. We're adopted by God, and it means you are loved. You are loved by the most important being in the universe. Psalm 68, five through six says, God is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. Is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. A lot of us right now feel like prisoners. And the idea of being led by God out into the sunlight, into prosperity, and to be connected with him and connected with others in eternity is a rich vision that we're seeing now more clearly than ever how sweet it is to be in the company of people that we love. Another implication of this is it's so important that others understand and share this truth. There are people all over the world who are scared and suffering and they are not secure and they are not sure and they do not know their purpose. And as clear as the Bible is on this over and over and over again about God's love, they think that God is this severe taskmaster, not this loving father who's gently calling them home. And God has tasked us, those of us who come to a relationship with him, who put our faith in him, to be the bearers of this good news, to share, and not only in our words, but in our deeds, to exemplify the truth of who God is, like that priest in Les Mis did for Jean Valjean. As a member of God's family, You have an incredible opportunity. And now in difficult times, in suffering, and in the midst of hardship, like we are now, you have a unique opportunity to show the truth of who God is better than any other time. Now is the time, more than any other time in my lifetime, where we can really show and let shine the power of God's love to people who don't know him. So what can you do? Well, obviously, if you don't have a relationship with God, the first step is to invite Christ into your life, to turn to God in your heart and pray. And you don't need any kind of magic. You don't need any special words. All you need to do is to turn to God and in faith and say to him, if this is true and if I can be adopted and if Jesus Christ died so that I can have a relationship with you, I want that. Will you come into my life? And you will begin to experience the peace of God and the joy of God by making that connection with him. Another thing you can do is begin to make a connection with others. There are some who are watching who are not a part of a church, who are just tuning in out of curiosity. And now is not a great time to be meeting new people. But we do have things happening online. 
We have small groups studying the Bible together in Zoom meetings. You can show up there and you can listen in to a Bible study and you don't even have to use your camera. You can just tune in and listen or you can make connections with people online through Zoom and begin to meet new people who love God and who are taking seriously the opportunities that we have right now. If you're in need, if you're worried, if you're lonely, if you are, have questions, spiritual questions that need answers, uh, if you um, want someone to pray with you, you can go to www.xenos.org coronavirus, or you can contact Amanda Hoyt at hoyta at xenos.org. And we have her working to help set people up where they can have connections with people and get joined into Zoom Bible studies that are happening all over the place right now. Uh, or we'll have someone call you if you prefer, and they can pray with you, they can answer your questions, they can talk with you. This is going out on Sunday night, and my understanding is as of Monday morning, tomorrow morning, uh, this is what the website will look like. You'll have uh, all the information you need on closings. You'll have... Uh, a, a, a button that you can hit if you need help. And that includes just you want to have, you want to pray with someone or you want to have a conversation. Or if you want to go out and help others and practice uh, the uh, CDC's approved guidelines and keep your social distancing, but to go out and serve in ways that are really needed right now, you can click volunteer opportunities. And we'll have this set up by Monday so that we can help people connect, whether they need help or they want to help. There'll be lots of different opportunities right now. What you can do right now is you can check on neighbors and friends. You can, you can look across the yard and say, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Can I pray for you? Uh, what is it that's going on with you and your family? Uh, you, can, you can find out what people's needs are. You can write letters of encouragement and leave them in friends' mailboxes or in neighbors' mailboxes, just letting them know that you're praying for them, that you're thinking about them, and that you're there. You can volunteer to go shopping for high-risk uh, people who shouldn't be out shopping for themselves. You can volunteer for Meals on Wheels. You can give blood. You can sew masks, all while following the CDC guidelines and not putting yourself and others at risk. All you have to do is go to that website and say, I want to serve, I want to volunteer, and we will connect you with those resources. We also want you to uh, get a free book. In the description of this YouTube uh, video, there is a link for a book called Discovering God. If you want to click on that, we will be more than happy to send you a free book where you can understand more about who God is and what it looks like to have a relationship with him. If you have specific questions about this teaching, you can email me at lowryr at xenos.org. We want to connect people who are seeking and who want to understand the things of God. We want to provide every possible way that we can for you to get answers to your questions. Next week on April 12th, we're going to be at 5 p.m. instead of 8.15 because it's Easter. We've got a great teaching about the resurrection with James Rochford. The week after that, 4.19, it'll be back at 8.15 on Sunday night. 
And uh, one of our founding pastors, Gary DeLashmet, will be starting a series on the book of Ephesians that we started here tonight. And he'll be with us for the next th- uh, three weeks. And don't forget, 8.15 on Thursdays will be another live stream. And we'll continue to send out on our YouTube channel the Tuesday night updates. Here are some questions for those Zoom groups that are meeting, watching this together, and want to have some engagement afterwards. Here are some things that you can use as guidelines for having conversations about things that matter. Again, thanks for tuning in. We're so appreciative of you and your willingness to uh, try new things as we deal with the new temporary reality of, uh, of sheltering at home. We are in prayer, and we are... Uh, here for you. We love you and have a good week. This study was recorded at Xenos Christian Fellowship and is copyrighted. You may freely copy and distribute it as long as you keep it intact and do not sell it.